Good morning, New Song. How are you doing? Good. How are those pancakes? Awesome, delicious. Let's. They're not in here, but they can hear us because announce everything gets broadcasted. Let's give Kathy and Mondo out there a big round of applause. So they um, graciously uh, said yes when I said, hey, can we do pancakes with pops on your grill? They said yes. So delicious pancakes for everyone this morning. Uh, we also want to say happy Father's Day to those who are celebrating in the room this morning. That's for sure. Now, I know that this, just as Mother's Day and Father's Day even more so, these days are hard for some of us. And... Um, they can be up, down, and all around, and I was chatting with Ben this morning, and with Grant, and with a couple more people, and there's just different situations in um, the room and in our lives, and um, this day is hard for some folks, and so we want to let you know that our hearts are with you, but we are celebrating also dads who are here in our midst, and we celebrate the fact that you are present, and we celebrate the fact that you are alive, and we thank the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we want to bless the fathers, and what I would like to bless the fathers with is my husband coming up and helping out any day. He's like, it's Father's Day. I'm going to take my time. It's not Mother's Day. I called him out a little bit. So, darling, on this day of Father's Day, I would like to present to you on, to receive on behalf of New Song Dads a brick of dad joke books. And would you mind reading some that I have uh, picked out for him to read? Just because, you know, I like to, I like to, even though it's his day, I still like to be in charge of what's going on. All right, you want to read them? Okay, here we go. Why don't oysters share their pearls? Because they're shellfish. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, oh, okay, here's a good one. Why did Humpty Dumpty have a great fall? Because his summer was miserable. Come on, keep it going. That was a good one. All right, let's see this one here. Oh, gosh. Why did the mozzarella get away with murder? Because there wasn't a shred of evidence. That was pretty good. Is that it? Is that I all I marked? This one had good ones. There you go. On behalf of New Song Dads. And uh, I don't know. Did I leave the little gift right there on my seat? I think I might have. Yes, okay, I had to give you a gift with another, um, it's not a joke, but you can read it. Can you read it? Yes, happy Pops Day. There's no butter pop than you. <laughs> right? I really should have had my teenage daughter do this with him, because she would have gotten the faces just right, like, ugh, okay, Dad. Um, but, dads, we want to give you a little popcorn bag for you to take home with you today, whether you're watching a movie in the afternoon or, you know, puttering around the house or building a shoe rack. I don't know what you're doing, uh, but we want to give this to you as a gift as you exit today. So please make sure you get that. 
So my name is Melody, and I am one of the pastors here. If we have not met, I'm happy to see you today, and I'm happy to um, be with you today. We just got back from being on vacation, Grant's family and our family. We did not vacation together. That was a question I got a lot. He went to the mountains, I went to the beach. So opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but it is so good to be back with you guys. I can, I can speak for both of us. I think when we miss a week, you know, we miss you. We miss being with you and we miss your faces. And so, so happy to be back. But our brains might still be on beach mode or Yosemite mode. Yes. So um, anyway, glad to be back with you. A few announcements I have to give you. So um, ladies, next Monday night, please save the date. Please make sure you are here for one of the most fun nights we have with the ladies in women's ministry. It's called My Favorite Things. And so if you were there, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know it's a good night. You already know what you're bringing. But let me give you a quick synopsis of the night. Basically, I, Melody, I will bring my favorite thing. It could be my favorite uh, hair care product. It could be my favorite uh, spice from Trader Joe's. It could be maybe I cook a wonderful banana loaf cake. Um, but I'm going to bring three of the same things. So I pick up my favorite spice at Trader Joe's, which is currently the dill pickle seasoning. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You guys do because I gave you one. What, yes, it's fantastic, okay? So you might get dill pickle seasoning from Trader Joe's. So I bring three of those in a little gift basket, and I come, and you don't have to worry about anything else because the women's leadership team takes care of it, but it's basically a huge gift exchange. So I'm going to leave having given my gift to Terry and Regine and Sherry, three different women, but in return, I might get whatever Terry brought, whatever Regine brought, whatever she, so I leave with three things in my hand. So it's really complicated to try to explain this to you. Just come, okay girls, yeah? It's a really fun night. We have some snacks um, and just come. So next Monday, Monday the 26th at 6.30, uh, come to that. There is also a sign up happening. You may have seen it. Can we have our resident Angels fans stand up back there? with uh, Daryl and Gina, and when is the game? July 2nd, it's 1 p.m. after church. Okay, I preach that day, so don't leave me here by myself, okay? So one, uh, after church, there's a group of people going down from New Song. If you'd like to sign up for that, Daryl and Gina right there have all the details for that. $13 a ticket, yes. They are not inviting you to the Angels game on their dime. They would like you to pay for your own ticket if you'd like to, but I'm sure there's a group caravanning down there together. Okay, the other thing that I have to give you a little bit of an update on, I had some people ask me today, hey, Melody, where's the little jar for the fundraising for the kids? I'd like to donate to the kids' uh, fundraising efforts. Now, if you were in this room, not last week, but the week before, you were crying just as much as I was crying, yes? Uh, we have a little bit of an update that we reached the goal of $9,000 within a matter of, I don't know, eight days maybe. And it was just so ridiculous. Grant can say that when he came in and he showed me, I screamed and then Justin was like, what's going on in there? So anyway, so it was just amazing, but just such a picture 
of a community church. And we brought all the kids up here and we, you know, kind of shocked their pants off, shocked their, nobody dropped their pants actually, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird to say. Um, but uh, the parents were, you know, told in that moment, you guys were told, and it was just, it's just such an, I couldn't, I couldn't hold back my emotion that day. Um, so we are so thankful that we are able to send all, all these kids to camp. And not only that, but we have some extra left over to apply towards winter camp um, in, the, in the winter time. So just thank you so much for your generosity in that. Um, and this brings me to my next point, which is uh, we are uh, in the last Sunday of the fiscal year today. If you don't know what that means, it's also very complicated to explain, but basically church runs on a budget that goes year to year, and ours goes from June to June, and right, June to June, and, um, and uh, again, such a picture of what community is. Some people give a lot, and some people give a little, and some people give when they can, and some people... Whatever that picture is, it's just such a ridiculous, ridiculous reminder to me that not one person can do this alone. Not one person can carry out a ministry. Not one person can carry out, you know, the full burden of the budget. Not, we do this as a team. We do this together, and we are so, so, so thankful and so grateful for all the gifts that are given. Even with the kids, I had someone um, give me a large donation, and I had someone give me what they had in their pocket that day and said, this is what I, what I can give. And both are just as equally as wow, because it is just amazing, and we want to say thank you. And this is the last Sunday of the fiscal year, and we're still quite... Next Sunday, I'm wrong. See, I'm on vacation. See? Um, so between this Sunday and next Sunday, we do have a little bit of a gap in our budget. And if there is any pool on your hearts to maybe give a little bit extra within that time, if you're able to, if you're not, whatever it is, just know that we do this as a team. We do this as a team and every donation is honored by God, is honored by the ministries that we carry out here. So will you pray with me as we pray for the next uh, two weeks and um, just all the, all the things that come along with that, and let's pray for the service this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, God, for uh, this moment. Thank you for the pancakes this morning. Thank you for Kathy and Mondo's efforts. Thank you for uh, Tracy jumping in there to flip some uh, pancakes. God, again, just such a picture of what a community is. Just stepping in to say, hey, let me, let me rub shoulders with you. Let me, let me work alongside you, Lord. Thank you so much that that is what this church fully believes in, God. God, thank you that uh, we have received just enough and beyond what the kids need to go to camp at the end of July. Such an amazing gift to those kids, God. Such an amazing gift to the parents, a gift to each other, a gift to... Just hear these stories when these kids come back with, with tall tales of what happened at camp, Lord. Just such an amazing gift, God. God, as we close out our fiscal year, and we close out um, just the last few items on our budget, Lord. 
Lord, you know what you're doing. You have a plan. You are in charge. Lord, you know. You know what's happening in the future. You know all of it, Lord. So we put all of it in your hands. God, we trust you, and we thank you so much for every single gift given from the very one cent to the top of the dollar bill, Lord. Thank you so much for these gifts, God. Would you multiply them? Would you just do what you're going to do, Lord, with our offering, Lord? Lord, I pray for Grant this morning, and I pray for his heart, and I pray for his words, God, that you would be with him, that you would um, just let us hear his words, God, and know that they have been inspired by you, Lord. Lord, thank you that um, he is... He is here today. He is here to speak to us and uh, bring us your message. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give a happy Father's Day applause to our leading man. Thanks, Mel. Yeah, I'm going to... So we actually have a special guest with us this morning. I'm going to invite Laura Worthington to come up on the platform. Hi, many of you know Laura? So I'll give you this microphone so you can be heard. Uh, this is Laura, and she is one of the missionaries that we support, and she's in Arizona mm -hmm. at the State University yes. since 2017. Yes. Correct? But she has been uh, connected with Yusong for a lot longer than that. How long has it been? You thought like 89? Yeah, 1988 or 9. I can't remember. That's like way back at the beginning. Yeah, so at Cal Poly you. Pomona. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that day. <laughs> right, so... Yeah, a few questions to ask you. How did you end up uh, where you're at, what you're doing? Because you were doing something different before. You were uh, yes. overseas. Yeah, so in, um, some of you know that for about 20 years, I was in East Asia, close country in East Asia. And actually, I never knew when God would call me back. And I always thought if he called me back, it would be kind of weird because I spent so many years learning the language and all that. But um, he did around 2017. I came back to the U.S. And really at that time, the ministry had been a lot turned over to the local believers. So I guess wow. you could say I worked myself out of a job. Not that there wasn't things left to be done yes. for sure. But um, that's how I ended that's up fantastic. coming here. And, you know, God's providence is that Arizona State has the most international students of all public universities in the U.S. And so I walked into another ministry wow. that I feel like God really prepared for me to be involved in. So, Fantastic. So what, uh, what people groups and what uh, cultures are you mostly... Because that's kind of changing a little bit, mm -hmm. isn't it, also? Um, in the past, the number one um, country represented, represented of international students on our campus was Chinese. But in... I don't think it was 2018, I showed up at orientation and they're coming to your table and finding out about your club and there were hordes and hordes of students from India and my coworker said, my prayers have finally been answered. Mm. So India is so unreached. There's mm -hmm. so many people groups from India, but yeah. um, that's the number one now. And okay. then Chinese and a lot of people from Saudi Arabia and then last year, or maybe it was the year before, the year before, uh, there was some um, Afghan ladies that came that were displaced, and that is really special because they didn't go to very many universities wow. in the U.S. Yeah, it's quite incredible that you don't necessarily have to travel overseas 
even here mm. in our local area, there are so many different cultures and people that yes. are visiting for a season or, or planted here. Mm -hmm. And Migrating so it here, is always yeah. cross-cultural ministry wherever we are, right? Exactly. That's wonderful. So a, a second question is, uh, so what has brought you joy this year? Because, you know, um, somebody's talk about just the challenges, what's been really difficult. Yeah. But I think it's good to ask, what brings you, has brought you joy? One thing is, I mean, as you all know, COVID-19 had a great effect on our lives. And a lot of the students went home. And the Chinese in particular, they just kind of disappeared. A lot of the undergrads went home. The graduate students remained. But they might not have, like, kind of re-emerged you know, you kind of get used to the life that you're living, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and because of some other cultural things, I would say today's Chinese student is not very socially adept, I'll just, mm -hmm. in, in, in a sure, way. Sure. So anyway, but they have really come back. And we had our Chinese New Year party in January, and not all of them were Chinese, but there was like about 65 people that showed up to our meeting, which we didn't expect. And I remember thinking to myself, you brought the Chinese back, God. They're mm. here. And I've had a great relationship with a Chinese PhD student this year. And it's really fun because you get to help them with things they need, like practical things. Like she needs someone to practice her English with so she can deliver her presentations. But at the same time, her major is Taoism. And wow. there's a lot of overlap. And I get to help her see the difference between Taoism and having a relationship with Christ. So wow. that's, yeah, she's been one... She and just the coming back of the Chinese has been really exciting for me. That is really exciting. It's so you never know who's going to show up or what the story is going to be. Right. Always constantly new and fresh, I imagine, and challenging too. Mm -hmm. um, so a question of how we could be praying for you, Laura. We really want to get closer. I know Fuzz and Amy had did a Zoom with you. Mm -hmm. I couldn't make it that day. We're trying to connect more and more with the people we support. So we've done a couple of Zooms, uh, just trying mm -hmm. to build more of a partnership because that's really what it should be rather than just, you know, you send a letter to us and right, we send right. a check and we're like, I hope everything's going fine. So uh, first of all, prayer. How can we yes. be praying for you, Laura? Um, so in regard to the ministry, one thing that's been on my heart is that we have these different groups and yet they're all different. So how we reach out to them has to be different, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you're trying to get them to merge together we have, when we have these meetings. And th my old coworker used to say, when there's too many Indians, the Chinese won't come. When there's too many mm -hmm. Chinese, the Indians won't come. Mm -hmm. And so even though that has some truth to it, you really want to pray that they will get to be good friends. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and through that, they also can seek Christ together. And so that's a big one is how to do that. That's really, I right. feel like it's really hard. <clears throat> um, but the other one is just, my friend just admonished me the other day here, my Claremont friend. She goes, Laura, you need to tell people that you need prayer for your health. <laughs> she goes, the, okay. people care about those things. I'm like, oh, nobody wants to hear about that. But yeah, I've just been having more and more health problems recently. Okay. And so like even before I came here, I had kind of an emergency, like uh, removal of a right. tooth and yeah, kind of a mess. But yeah, so if you could pray for my health, that'd be great. And just to find good doctors and yeah, be on a healing journey. Okay, Laura, fantastic. And, and there's a potential of a possibility in the fall of perhaps us partnering a little bit with you. Amy had mentioned mm -hmm. uh, when you do your kind of uh, meet and greet thing uh -huh. that perhaps some of us might be able to take the short drive out there and be part of the team. 
Yeah. So uh, we're going to discuss that a little bit more. Yeah, so whenever that can, that can happen. That yeah, can happen. I think you, maybe you don't want to come in the fall. It's too hot. But, <laughs> yeah. but whenever it happens, yeah. There's air conditioning. Very exciting. Yeah. We're spoiled. You can skip you know. into a building for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking also when you said about the, the cultures together, you know, isn't that really the goal of, of Christ that brings these diverse cultures together? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what you're praying for, I think, is what God wants to see, whether it's yeah. in a local church or in, you know, around the world that we mm -hmm. find this unity in Christ. Yes. So I think it's a great prayer. Oh, thank so you. I'm going to pray for you, okay. Laura. And uh, you so if you much. want to just reach your hands out or just pray mm -hmm. with me. Lord, I just thank you so much for your servant, Laura. And she has heard your call many years ago. And she has dedicated her life to serving you. Lord, I know that you are so pleased with her. You love, your love for her is immense. And, and what she's doing has no guarantees, and it hasn't. Uh, this work is hard, and uh, there are so many opportunities. And I just thank you that on our behalf, Laura is, is serving and mm. with both practical needs and uh, just a heart that's, that carries you around wherever she goes and that she will speak words of hope of the gospel to these people, and so many of them I know have carried that back to their homes around the world. Lord, I pray your blessing on Laura, our friend, our sister. Uh, Lord, I pray for wisdom and just the ability to, to see new ways to connect with students and also connect the students with each other. You are the, uh, the Lord of that connection, that reconciliation, and Lord, we pray that it would be powerful this year that Laura would see that take place. Uh, Lord, I pray for Laura's health. We pray for Laura's health. We pray, Lord, that whatever is happening with her, uh, she would uh, be strong and healthy. If she needs doctors, we pray that she would find the right ones. And uh, Lord, just that she would know that she is going to be prayed for in an ongoing way by this church because we now we've seen her with our eyes and heard her with our ears and felt her love for you and for people with our hearts. Uh, so we lift Laura up to you and thank you for her, the gift that she is to our community and to the community where she serves. Lord bless her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Thank you, everybody, because I know I really do feel your prayers and I'm so grateful for your partnership. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate you. So yeah, just Laura's gonna be around for after a little bit. You can chat with her about about any other questions that you have. We kind of started late today because of the pancakes, because, you know, the most important thing was pancakes. <laughs> can I get my water, actually? I didn't have a pancake, because I don't know if I can preach after having a pancake. <laughs> I had some toasted marmalade this morning. That's what I needed. Good morning, everybody. Yosemite is a beautiful place. That's where we went for a few days, Rona and I. Wow. Coming out of that tunnel. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> or or uh, Rivendell and Lord of the Rings. Beautiful. America's not so bad, is it? <laughs> I thought Scotland was beautiful. So uh, we're in Hebrews. Grateful for Fuzz, who's not here this morning, actually. He and Amy are away, but grateful for Fuzz preaching last week uh, in Hebrews. And we are continuing on in the next section, which is in chapter 9, verses 15 to 22. Uh, and reading this text this week led me into kind of a fascinating uh, exploration on the subject of 
Blood. You're like, oh no, blood. So I promise I'm not going to show you any gnarly pictures of blood. Um, but it's just good to think about the physicality, the reality of this concept. As we sit here this morning, it's something that we all have in common, that our lives are being sustained uh, by the blood that is flowing through our bodies, this concept. And what I want you to do first, I want you to feel your pulse. If you don't know how to do that, there's going to be a little diagram, middle three fingers of whichever hand applied to just below your thumb on your left hand, and just feel your pulse. You're alive. Hope you can find it. Hope you're alive. You're not like a vampire or something or undead. It's amazing. It's miraculous. God's creation in us. Some of you are going for the neck. That's good. You guys know what you're doing. And if you're a medical person and there's errors in what I'm saying this morning, please accept my forgiveness. I found it online. But the average adult has approximately 1.2 to 1.5 gallons of blood in their body. You feel it? And it travels through, on average, 60,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries. And apparently, that is twice around the globe. This blood goes like twice around the globe every 45 seconds. Blood to go from your heart back to your heart again. It has amazing properties, functions. It keeps us alive. It transports oxygen and nutrients to our lungs and tissues. If you cut yourself, it immediately starts to form a blood clot. It carries cells and antibodies that fight infection. And even when cancer cells sometimes form the body, there's probably that's happening a lot, little aberrations in our cells, and the blood is taking care of that for the most part. And bringing waste products out of our body to the kidneys and the liver, taking carbon dioxide out, and also regulating our body temperature. It brings heat to our body. An amazing thing. And I was thinking this morning, I need to feel more grateful towards my body, this thing, which I have not taken very good care of all my life, I don't think. It's, a, it's just a thing to carry my brain around and do its bidding, right? And I just thought it's kind of something amazing about thinking about this miraculous body that I've been given. And, and just the complex nature of the blood that keeps me alive. It is essential to life. We want to keep the blood in, right? If you puncture your skin somehow, what's the first thing you want to do is, is pressure and elevation, right? Hopefully not a tourniquet, but you want to keep that stuff in. It's so important. So most adults can tolerate losing about 14% of their blood without any real physical symptoms or deviations in their vital signs, but losing more than 40% of your blood is likely to be fatal. It is a precious, a miraculous system, uh, and we take it for granted probably most of the time. And all throughout human history, blood has been a, a, a rich concept in all areas of life. Of course, medicine has always been important to know how to stop blood, understand blood. There's been some weird things people have done to bring you health. I'm not sure they work or not, but bloodletting was one. If someone has a problem, we're going to release some of the blood because it's probably got some poisons in it, so we're going to get leeches, right? Who's ever had been leached by a leech? You'd be swimming in the pond when you were a kid. Ever got a leech on you? Barbara. Huh? In Lake Michigan, Lake Michigan, yeah. I've heard stories of kids jumping in a pond and coming out just like covered in head to toe with leeches. Never experienced it. But they did that as a medical procedure. They would, they would, or sometimes they would cut people to take the blood out. So there was something special about blood they felt would help people to feel better. 
My favorite Shakespeare play is Macbeth. Anyone else know Macbeth? And, and this couple, they, they murder the king, and there's this whole thing about, about blood. It's this sign of guilt. Uh, Lady Macbeth can't seem to get rid of the, the stains from her hands of this horrible thing that they have done. There's the world of fantasy with vampires. Has anyone ever read Dracula, Bram Stoker? You know, spawned all of these ideas, but it's this concept of this, this creature that lives eternally and, and, and must and needs blood to, to, to keep going. And then there's the old uh, Blood Brothers teen initiation thing. The, the, the movie It. It's only one, I thought it was in Stand By Me, but I don't think they maybe spit in that one. But has anyone ever done that as a kid? Yeah. Terra, of course. I say Barbara for leeches, Terra for blood. Blood brothers and sisters. I was told in school, I never did it because in school they warned us and said, that might kill you. Don't ever mix your blood with somebody else. So I never did it. But I don't have any friends either, so, you know. So all through, all through human history, blood is an important concept. We don't think about it much until some, some of it starts to appear out of our body somehow. But so not surprisingly, blood is also woven deeply through the biblical story, the story of salvation. Blood is all through this book. And that causes some people consternation and horror that there's, it's such a bloody story. And the very first thing that happens when blood is mentioned is when Cain murders his brother Abel way back in Genesis and the Lord says to Cain, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This concept of, of blood and guilt. And then, of course, sacrifices. We've been in Hebrews. We've talked a lot about these sacrifices that were made. There's a lot of blood in the Old Testament. Uh, blood is mentioned 89 times in Leviticus. 89 times. It is all through there. And then in Exodus, when the people are set free from Egypt, what is one of the plagues? One of the plagues is that Moses gets his staff and strikes the river Nile, and the water is turned to blood. Horrifying picture of, of curse, of God's wrath. Set my people free. And then, of course, we get to the New Testament. And that's really what we most connect the concept of blood with. We, we talk about it all the time. And I've been wondering, do we really understand what it means we talk about the blood of Jesus, Jesus' blood? Pilate, when the, the Roman guy who sent Jesus off to be executed, famously took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. There's a lot of blood in the Bible. And I think we can feel, I think people don't talk about it very much. And I've read you know, studies about how the concept of blood is, is being kind of removed because our modern sensibilities are offended by the idea of blood. But I think that's more about our, our squeamishness and maybe there's, there's sin has made blood into some dreadful thing because it's so connected with these kind of horrifying, gory stories. But that's not how God intended the concept of blood to be. Blood is actually life. The idea of blood, as we said about this miraculous, life-sustaining substance that we have in our bodies is actually a powerful thing. And on the other side, shed blood throughout the Bible is about death. Shed blood points to death, but blood is about life. So we're going to pop into Hebrews 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verses 15 to 22, and it ends with a statement about blood and about forgiveness which you may have puzzled over at times, and hopefully we can maybe shed some light on it. Chapter 9, verses 15 to 22 of Hebrews. 
For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will or covenant, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's a, a challenging question. It actually is a reference back to the, the book I mentioned before, Leviticus, where blood is mentioned 89 times. Back there, in all of these lists about the law and how to, to worship God under that old covenant according to the law, it says, for the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So why so much blood? Why blood? Why is that concept there? Why is this shedding of blood connected to the forgiveness of sins? Well, the first thing is this. It's the reality, nature, and seriousness of sin. The reality the nature and the seriousness of sin. And the second thing is the immensity of God's love. The immensity of God's love. So the first thing, sin, the reality, nature, and seriousness. If you know the creation story at the beginning of the Bible, it says that God created all these things by his word to live. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And we know what happened in that story is that the tempter came and turned the human's head away from God, face away from God, questioned what God had said. Did God really say that you would die? You won't die. God doesn't want you to do that because then you will become like God. And they took and they ate and all of the things cascaded into ruin and suffering and pain and sin entered into the world and death for the first time entered into the world. And that was the way of things from then on. We talked about Cain and Abel. It's really amazing when you look in the Bible and you see after that first moment, all of the categories of awful sin that started to come. And, there, and there's you know, murder and all of these dreadful things that started to happen because now we were, we had a twist in our nature. We were no longer in fellowship with God and in fellowship with one another in a, in a pure and innocent sense we were now we had understood we had knowledge we had desire we had ambition all of these things that come into the world and it says that we will certainly die ezekiel chapter 18 again the prophet says for everyone belongs to me says the lord the one who sins is the one who will die and we see it i always think it's amazing when people try and deny the existence of sin because if I understand, the more I understand myself and the more I see the world around me, I cannot deny the reality 
of what the Bible calls sin, that we do not, we have this longing for how things should be and we fail to live up to it every day. And all the consequent stuff from that, the shame that we feel, the regret, the guilt, the religious ways of praying harder to try and make up for the bad we've done, it's a, it's a turmoil, constantly struggling. And that's what sin is. Sin is about death. It is a death. God has given us life, yet we often enter into habits and activities and thought patterns that are about death. Death of our relationships with other people, death of our relationship with God, of our relationship with ourselves and with all of creation. This is the problem with sin. So sin is intractable, it's infectious, and it's infecting. I remember this during the COVID thing, there's a very famous video that this nurse made because she saw these people putting gloves on and doing all the proper stuff and then going around their business, making the gloves, gloves kind of redundant because they're touching everything. And they're just, there's, oh, I've got gloves on. I am, you know, impervious to anything, right? So what she did is she got, like, ink on her gloves and started touching things. And by the end, her nose has got ink on it, her face has got ink because her phone's got ink, and, and just showing, like, this is how this stuff transmits. And I was thinking, it's kind of like sin. It's kind of on us. It's in us. And you sh just want to shake it off, right? I'm not going to sing, Melody. And that is the human dilemma. We can't step out of ourselves. Just like this morning, you know, Father's Day, I woke up feeling really depressed today. I know a lot of other people did too. You know, my sister died earlier this year, and I'm away from my family. It's my dad's first Father's Day without his daughter. And that song man, Ben, he did a song, Luther Vandross, Dance With My Father thing. Whew, that was hard. But this morning I was thinking, like, can't I just shake this feeling off? I just want to be happy. I don't want to feel sad, and I couldn't. It's the same thing. It is, it's part of me. I need something. I need salvation. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need reconciliation. I need to know that I'm okay, that this isn't the end of the story, that this is not all there is, that I feel this way, that I, I still go to four-way stops and feel so angry at people who don't know how to drive in them. That's always my example, because it's the place where I meet my sin most often in Southern California. At least it's not like, at least I'm not in some dark alleyway doing nefarious, horrible things, but that's my example. How I go to such an angry, judgmental position, and then I do the very same thing, riding on someone else's tail, even though I didn't get to the four-way stop first, right? But that's like sin, right? So God gave the people some way of assuaging that, of taking care of that in some form for a season. And this is the old covenant. And it involved blood. It involved death. Because it showed them the reality and the nature and the seriousness of sin. I can't imagine how much blood was spilled over the, that, those thousands of years of sacrificial system. That's a lot of blood. And this passage talks about it. It refers to Moses, the first covenant. It says it was not put into effect without blood. So Moses had proclaimed the command to the people. And it's so bizarre. Like he sprinkles all, the, like Fuzz last week talked about all the different items in the tabernacle. And he sprinkled them all with blood. I don't think he washed them all afterwards with pledge or with, you know, simple green. Sprinkled them with blood. And then not only that, but after the people responded saying, we will do these things. We 
covenant with you, God. We will follow your law. They were sprinkled with blood. That's a horrifying thought in the desert. You know, 95 degree weather, whatever, right? It was ugly. Sin is ugly. It's serious. But he wanted them, and he wanted them to not shy away from it. He wanted them to see that this kills, this takes life, and you will be given the opportunity to, for example, the, the Day of Atonement, where there's two goats, and one will be sacrificed, the blood will be spilled on the altar, the other one will be let, taken off into the desert and, and uh, banished from the people, carrying their sin out into the wilderness on their behalf. So this, the, the, the little bit about Moses in chapter 9 is from Hebrew, Exodus 24. I'll just read this in its entirety. Moses got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in the bowls. The other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. So he read the law, read it to them. Oh, the Lord your God is one, O Israel. You will worship him only. You will not lie. All these things, the commandments and many more. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. And God knew. I said, heard someone would joke once that it was the first promise keepers meeting when all these people assembled and said, we will keep these promises. And then they didn't keep them perfectly, right? Then Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So blood is part of that from God's side. Blood is involved. There's, there's death involved in making such a covenant with God. And it's, but it was only temporary for a season. I heard a really good analogy about this. It's like brushing your teeth, okay? So imagine you say, well, I brush my teeth now, and it's done. I don't ever need to brush my teeth again, Right? Hey, kids, you guys, Layla, Rosalind, brush your teeth once, you good? Only floss the ones you want to keep, my dentist said. <clears throat> but no, you, you, would, you would not be in a position to be healthy. You would have to do it. You continue to do it every day, every morning, every night, maybe after every meal. It shows you that it's inadequate. It is not the perfect solution to tooth decay. And that's the same as the sacrifices. It was not this perfect sacrifice. It could not cleanse the conscience for once and all, make the people perfect in the sense of completion. But what it did do is show them that sin is serious, that it's real, that it's not to be shied away from, and it has consequences. But also, it turned the people toward God, because in that process, they were meant to be seeing that there's only one place we can go right now, to find relief from this nature that we carry, and it is the Lord God, and he welcomes us, and has given us a system by which we can come, which reminds us of the seriousness of it, but also welcomes. Only one person, the high priest could come, or Moses could come, not everybody, but he came on their behalf, but they could come, and it turned their attention towards God. You know, I always think about the Old Testament, God as being wrathful and angry all the time, but Often he is called Savior all the way through, even in the Old Testament. In Isaiah it says, I, even I am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Come to me, people, my people, come to me. There's a lot of forgiveness in the Old Testament. 
So the first thing is about the reality and the nature and the seriousness of sin. But the second thing is the immensity of God's love. This blood talks about the immensity of God's love. It says in Hebrews 9.15, it talks about the promised eternal inheritance. We talked a few weeks ago that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And only in retrospect, with hindsight looking back, we can see that all of the blood and all of the sacrifice that was always temporary, could never perfectly cover, was all pointing towards the day when God himself would give his life and pour his blood out because of his immense love for us. These sacrifices, this pouring of blood, was always pointed towards something they had not yet seen. Later in Hebrews, we're going to hear about these people of faith who did not ever receive what was promised, but they persevered by faith because they had glimpsed the God of mercy and their Savior, and they continued forward. But only with us now does it say that they find completion in what Christ has done. So year after year, it was pointing towards something greater. So the reality, nature, and seriousness of sin and the immensity of God's love, what it really is is two things. It's our need and God's provision. He meets our needs. But it doesn't just happen. The blood also talks about it. It doesn't just happen like he just goes, oh, it's nothing. Forget about it. Forget it ever happened. It's cool. We're good. It is costly. So Hebrews 9, 15 to 17, we read again, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And in the case of a will, so he changes the idea. Actually, the word for covenant and the word for will are exactly the same. But he uses this kind of language to say, okay, I'm going to think about a will now. Think about when there's a will being made, it requires the death of the one who has made the will for it to become active, to be released, the inheritance to be given. So in the case of Jesus, it says, to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is only enforced when someone has died, it never takes effect while the one who made it is living. So for this new covenant to be realized, for this thing to come to a place of perfection where we could really avail ourselves of God's full forgiveness, once for all, Christ died once for all, it is finished. And the release of all of his grace towards us, it required the death of Christ. Matthew 26, 39, Jesus wrestled and struggled with this. This is a great cost. You may remember the story in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested. He said he actually was weeping and he was in such anguish that his blood came from his pores. And he said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Because he loves us. He went and completed this picture by shedding his blood. His blood was just like ours. John or Peter or someone could have gone up to Jesus one day. Someone said, do this with Ron, I'll just grab her arm and I'll just like hold her pulse. I find it just a wonderful thing. If you, you know, to your spouse or partner, do that sometime. Just like feel their pulse. It's very connective. Like Peter or James or John or Mary could have taken Jesus' human arm, you know, and just like felt his, felt his pulse. He was alive, fully human. 
And then on the cross, his blood was poured out. More than 40% of his blood was poured out and he gave his life and he died. I, heard, I read this little article about this concept of the passage that says that, um, if I find it again, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And this person changed the word, the word blood, um, and then the concept of sin, to, to reflect the idea that blood is life, that blood is life. The shedding of blood is death. In our sin, we are dead. In our sin, that is the quality of our current life and our future life. But in Christ's blood shed for us, he has given us his life. And this author, this person uh, wrote this, said, everything is purified with life. And without life, there is no forgiveness of death. Substituted sin for death and blood for life. He gave his life to us, his life's blood. It's almost like he gave us a blood transfusion. You know, even our blood that courses around keeps us alive, takes the waste products out, gives us good things in, keeps our cells alive, fights disease and infection. It's still flawed and broken. And as we know, Sometimes cancer cells develop and the blood doesn't take care of it. And we get that phone call or that letter or that image. But Christ's blood has been given to us. We are new creations in him with a life that is not of our own making. It is his life for us. So on a, on a difficult day, that's my hope, that's my confidence for all of the ones that we have lost, that they have received life. And death has been defeated. And no longer do we need to go to sacrifice. No longer we need to beat ourselves till the blood comes out of our back like some would do to sacrifice. I'm not good enough. I've got to suffer. We're welcome in to this life. And what is amazing about this is something around the idea of Father's Day. Because I've heard people have objections to Christianity where they say, you know, isn't Christianity just some form of cosmic child abuse? That a father would kill his son for a bunch of ingrates like us, right? But the beauty and the concept of the, of the incarnation that is Christ is, is God. He is God giving his own life for us for the sake of his creation. God with us. That's better than any kind of father idea I could ever hear, a father who would sacrifice for his children everything, everything for their well-being. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, therefore is anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. The perfect has come, the imperfect has passed away, and we are invited in to share in this life that has been given to us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, 
that we should be called children of God. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We don't have to taste death any longer. His kingdom has come. Imperfect, we're not completely there yet. That's something we're still waiting for, for the full completion of the story. But we have life now. We don't need to wander around in graveyards anymore looking for things. We don't need to beat ourselves up. We can say, I take what you have done for me personally for myself and experience the life of Christ in you, in us. As Fuzz said, said last week, it's not anything you have to do. It is a gift. I'm going to have us, before we go to communion, say the Lord's Prayer together on this Father's Day. Can we stand, actually? Let's say this together. Jesus' disciples said, how should we pray? And he gave them this incredible set of concepts which seemed to hit everything that I could ever need to pray about. It's it's hopeful and it's encouraging. So let's say together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He has done it. And we receive it. So we're going to go to communion now, which is once again... We know we just come into this moment of response. No matter what we're preaching on, what we're talking about, this is the place to come. There's a welcome at the table. There's room at the table. You are welcome to come to the table. As we've said before, not knowing what it might mean to follow Christ, maybe that's going to be very difficult for you. Maybe, like Laura, God's going to call you to go and travel to a country on the other side of the world for 20 years. But I tell you, it will be the best adventure you ever experienced, no matter what he asks you to do. There'll be challenge, there'll be sacrifice, there'll be things that you will set down and things you will take up. But maybe today you're just like, I have a longing to experience something of this. Then you can come. You take this bread, you take this cup, and you say, I want to know you. I want this life. I'm sick of this stuff. I'm sick of what I feel inside me and sick of four-way stops, maybe. This is, this is our opportunity. We do this every week. Rather than saying, raise your hand if you want to receive Christ, get out of your seat and come and take a piece of bread and a piece of juice and receive not only this physical life of bread and juice, but also receive the spiritual life of his sacrifice for us. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So in your own time, come forward, uh, take a piece of bread uh, and a little cup of juice, and then hold it, and we'll take it together shortly. Together, yeah. Take your time. Just reflect. I know it's 11.25, but...
We're good. Does anyone need uh, the elements brought to them where they're sitting? If you want to raise your hand, if you need something brought to you, just make sure everyone's who wants to participate can. You know, we held our pulse earlier on and felt the evidence, the proof that we're alive. You know, in just the same way, there is evidence and proof that we are truly alive. We have been made alive, that Christ's blood has renewed and is renewing us. Death no longer has power over us. We are free, no longer hiding in the shadows. We step into the light and we say, Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Lord, my friend, thank you. You have done it, and I receive it in the way that it was given as a gift, a free gift of grace by faith. Lord, remind us that we are alive, not just physically, but we are alive. Those of us who choose to take this path have been made alive spiritually, that we have vigor, we have energy, we have purpose, and we have a body, we have a community, and we are one, we are united. Regardless of our differences, we are one in you, and you have done all this through the power of your shed blood that you gave your life for us. We take this bread with thanksgiving. And knowing the cost, understanding some of the, the depths of sorrow that you endured because your love compelled you to act on our behalf because you made us and you love us. We take this cup recognizing that in your death we have life, but not only that, but that you rose from the grave and with you we will rise. Take the cup. Amen. Let's sing some songs. Let's worship.